Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Scar. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOLVE. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. What do you do if your three-year-old starts telling you about little gray elves coming into her bedroom at night? Suppose you're headed home one night and see a strange light hovering over your own house. What if you come running into the kitchen one evening and catch your parents talking about being abducted? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 231st broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and asking those really scary questions was my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. On March 27th, here on CBS News Sky, we did a show on the paranormal and the family. We dealt with several questions about how the family should react when one of its members is involved in the occult or has a paranormal experience. In one case, a teenager asked for our advice about discovering that his parents, after discovering that his parents were involved in a cult that sacrificed animals. So after the show, a number of people told us that it was really great, and we thank you for that. But what about families that are having UFO problems? Yeah, we got a lot of questions on that, too. So we're going to address that this evening. And we had asked our good friend, Dr. Bill Burns, New York Times bestselling author, television personality, and publisher of UFO Magazine, to co-host with us because he knows more about UFOs than we do. However, he does not seem to be around tonight obviously detained by ancient aliens or something of that kind. And uh, if we can pick them up during the break, we will. If not, we'll soldier around ourselves. Uh, because there are so many similarities, I'd say, between some of these... Uh, Parasitical entities and UFOs. Yeah, I wanted to get his, his take on that. He's given it to us before. But anyway, if we can pick him up later, we'll pick him up. Anyway, our uh, call-in number here on CBS New Sky Radio or NewSkyRadio.com tonight, 248-545-SOUL. Uh, or five four five seven six eight five. Or if you're listening on a computer, use the nifty little instant feedback feature to the right of the NewSkyRadio.com homepage as you listen live. Let's begin with an email. Uh, I was going to begin with one we received uh, last January that we we really never get into, but that's relevant to our show tonight. However, we received one uh, much more recently, actually this morning, from uh, a very faithful listener of ours, Lisa Lubrano. In or I should say, oh, I'm always doing that, aren't I? Yeah. Well, we'll just say she lives in Ohio. And Lisa writes a number of different questions here, and one that was of relevance to last week's show with Bill Burns, uh, which had to do with reptilians, something we thought was pretty fringe, but that a lot of people have been asking about. Uh, okay, so the so she writes to us, The only reason I believe reptilians could be influencing politicians is because I saw a reptilian face superimposed over Rudy Giuliani on TV one day. That was before I heard Murray Silva mention it on your show. Uh, well, it's a good little nod to Murray. So that was before I even considered such a thing. I did not watch V. It freaked me out when I first saw it be... Well, oh, uh, B- oh, excuse me, guys. Uh, we have Bill with us? Uh, hello, Bill. Yes, can you hear me? Oh, yes, we got yes. you. Uh, Will, do you have uh, Bill there on audio? Yeah, we got Bill loud and clear, ready for an awesome show here. Okay, there you go. I'm all ready. Really good. Thank you, Bill. Okay, uh, Ben, we're we're going to begin to we just introduce you here, and we're going to begin to talk about a couple of emails we've received. And this one is from our friend, uh, good listener Lisa in uh, Ohio. And Ben is going to wants to start again, Ben, because it has to do with reptilians, uh, something we talked about last week. So go ahead, Ben. Okay, so <clears throat> from the top, the only reason I believe reptilians could be influencing politicians 
It was because I saw a reptilian face superimposed over Rudy Giuliani on TV one day. That was before Silva mentioned it on your show. That was before I even considered such a thing. I did not watch V. It freaked me out so much when I first saw it because I could not figure out why I would see such a crazy thing. Then I heard Murray talk about the very thing on your show a few days later, and that, my friend, is too much coincidence for me. I have no negative feelings towards Rudy, and I don't agree with everything Murray says. This, for me, is a classic example of confirmation. My opinion is there are a type of, that they are a type of parasite, and what I saw was that negative energy in Rudy's aura. Well, should I should I continue on to number two? Or? No, let, let's let's deal with this one first. Okay. Uh, of course, reptilians being a supposedly an uh, alien a race that is influencing uh, humanity, and we've never we'd never dealt with it before last week uh, on the show. So, Bill, uh, what, what, what do you say to this kind of thing? I mean, to us, this is pretty fringe, but considering some of the things we talk about, maybe not. What, what would you say to Lisa's uh, statement here? Well, I'm, you know, I have to say that I'm really skeptical about it. I mean, um, is there a rationale? for uh, a reptilian entity or a reptilian culture on planet Earth? Yeah, I think there is. Um, is there any, are there any hints? Yes. I think if you go back to the Bible and read Genesis and read about the serpent in the Garden of Eden, one of the first questions anybody would ask in Sunday school or, or religious school would be, wait a minute, why is the serpent upright if, or does it mean that the serpent is upright if as a punishment for uh, enticing Eve to eat the apple, the serpent is then made by the creator to crawl on its belly? What is the creature that enticed Eve to to eat the apple? My thought is, Let's just say that there were other creatures on planet Earth besides human beings. We know there were other creatures on planet Earth besides human beings as set forth in the Bible because the Bible tells us explicitly that the Nephilim, the giants in the Earth, Noah, and the reason God chose Noah to survive the flood was that Noah was probably the only true human being, a human being not hybridized. In a rational, um, some kind of um, biblical explanation for the existence of a reptilian species. Does that mean that Rudy Giuliani is a reptile or George H.W. Bush or Queen Elizabeth are reptiles? Absolutely not. Sure that I think, yeah, that I think is just basically paranoia or just insanity. Yeah, well, you see these things on, on, on YouTube, for example, and you know, the little slits coming. I mean, I, you, you can fake anything. You, you, you know, you know better than anybody. Anybody can take you know, Photoshop and do anything. You know, if I and somebody will believe it. If I were to take Godzilla and but put him into one, one of our, our alleged psychic photographs, somebody's going to believe it. Or you just take a shot right out of the Americanized version of Godzilla and just and say, like, look, Godzilla spotted New York City. Everyone will just be like, well, Bill lives in New York City, in, uh, near New York City. Give him a break. Well, someone will believe it. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. So, yeah, I agree uh, with you, Bill. I, I don't know about you, Ben, but I think that, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what to say to Lisa here. Just, uh, you know, keep watching and, and, and just uh, be uh, try to be a little bit um, objective about these things. But, again, anything is possible. 
Yeah, I mean, why would you say that? I mean, here's the thing you have to say. Why is it that somehow reptiles turn up in the people that are politically adversarial to those calling them reptiles? Exactly. You know, I mean, come on. (laughs) It's very true. Okay. Well, let's uh, so, we'll like we'll uh, give Lisa something else uh, here a little bit later, right. uh, some more time. But I wanted to get onto something that's a little bit more uh, with our our family issue here, and this is from uh, this is a, one that came to us a year ago, January. So it's uh, got whiskers on it, but it's of, of great relevance to to tonight because there is a follow up story to it. This is from Lori in Lexington, Massachusetts, and Ben will uh, do us the honors. All right, so Lori writes to us. A few years ago, my family moved into a big old house outside of Boston. I was a ghost freak, and I was hoping it was haunted. Actually, I got more than I hoped for. A few months after we we moved in, there were footsteps. Uh, Then, as you say in your books, it started to gradually get worse as we got more scared and annoyed. But it didn't turn into a poltergeist. We started seeing what looked like greys. At night, standing by our bed, strange lights all over the house, and being and a big humming noise above that from above the house. We want to move now, but it's hard to sell the house. Well, especially with the housing market around here. So please help us. All right. Now we got in touch with uh, Lori about this uh, because she requested this help, of course, and we thought this would be easy to look into because we live only about 40 minutes from Lexington, and being history aficionados, we're quite familiar with that area where the first battle of the American Revolution occurred. But we ran into something of a battle ourselves. Okay, so... Oh, sorry. Sorry. What happened there, Ben? Well, did you want to answer Lori? Uh, Well, I want to just give some background before you do. Okay, so it turns out that Lori's family, they are evangelical Christians. And when she told her parents she had contacted us, they listened to one of our shows and found our our theology not quite up to their standards. Hmm. Oh, dear. Well, anyway, Lori informed us by another email that they're had been pyrotechnics between her and her parents and that they wouldn't allow us anywhere near the house. Since the parents were witnessing these phenomena too, and that group uh, attributes all paranormal phenomena to demons, Lori informed us that they called in their pastor who had been coming by weekly to pray and read the Bible with them. Now, all due respect to the clergy, uh, and almost having become one myself, I, I just there are a few people who create more chaos in a paranormal case, then clergy you don't know what they're doing. Anyway, that being said, apparently the craft isn't being seen over the house anymore, but greys are still being seen inside. Uh, the house has been on the market for months and still hasn't sold, and if you lived here in New England, you'd uh, know how bad the market is. Yeah, so, Bill, considering that we can't get near this place, what would you take... Uh, what would your well, your take on the case be, well, and how would you yeah, advise? We have to come up on a break, but go ahead and get started. But we'll finish after the break. Here. We well, first of all, there are two things that I mean, two basic decisions that you could make. One is cleanse the house, and I mean cleanse the house spiritually. So, if you're dealing with evangelical Christians, then I think there can be a cleansing ceremony uh, similar to an exorcism in which you go in there and you basically, if you believe they're really demons, move them along. Uh, if they're ghosts or, or, or just, just move them out. Tell them, you know, go to the light 
But there is a cleansing ceremony. So you can do it either as kind of like a new age thing, a Native American thing, or you could do it as um, <clears throat> basically doing a Christian cleansing ceremony. That's one. Two, since this is about selling the house, I would go on Craigslist and go on some of the newspapers and say, you know what? <clears throat> Anybody want to buy a haunted house? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's we're going to wrap our break now, but uh, I have a couple of responses to that, Bill, when we come back. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and co-host today, Bill Burns, on CBS News Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be right back. Join Kimmy Rose on interviews, Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. Together as a community, we will embrace the challenges in life and find a way to experience heaven on earth. Spiritual teachers and Kimmy will bring you insight on how to change your life and embrace purpose. Interviews this Thursday night starting at 9. It's all about what's within you. Hello, baby, hello. Haven't seen your face for a while. Have you quit doing time for me? Or are you still the same spoiled child? Hello, I said hello. Is this the only place you thought to go? Am I the only man you ever had? Or am I just the last surviving friend that is?
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we are back with our special co-host tonight, the Dr. Bill Burns, well-known from just about every area of UFO research and the New York Times bestselling author. Now, we're talking about a, a family situation that's occurring apparently in Lexington, Massachusetts, but they will not let us near the house because they are uh, evangelical Christians and believe everything is caused by demons. And uh, maybe that's true. I don't know. But, uh, Bill, your answers were um, something we might advise at times, but what if these are real Aliens that they're dealing with. He's talking about a flying, you know, a craft hovering over the house and Gray's walking around inside. I mean, what if these are real aliens? I mean, is it an exorcism? Well, I mean, if they're real aliens, I think, quite frankly, um, then it's easier because what do they want? I mean, that's the issue. I mean, if they're real aliens, if they're real aliens, either um, in themselves intelligent or kind of androids, you know, the small grays are considered to be kind of androids, uh, robotic creatures, uh, guided by some intelligent force. They're there for a reason. They don't just hang around and, and, and stare at you. They actually want something. So I think it is up to somebody, <clears throat> whether it is a minister, whether it is a new age spiritualist, whether it is an exorcist, somebody to try to figure out what these, and if there are entities, what the entities want, give it to them, or let them know they're not going to find it there and send them on their way. <clears throat> but also, if she's seeing greys, wow, get a camera set up, try and get some night vision cameras there, go to Radio Shack, buy something, and take some photographs of these things, and then show them around. Let's get some Let's get some light on this, some opinions on this. Certainly a good idea. What if they're parasites or quote-unquote demons pretending to be aliens? Well, I mean, either way, they're otherworldly entities. Yeah. So if they're otherworldly entities and this person can catch them on film or catch them digitally – then that says a lot. Um, maybe there's nothing there at all, but 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 try and capture them on uh, on a camera. Oh, uh, because this goes back to what we advise families to do when we we got into detail on this last week. Uh, be honest with each other. It sounds as though though uh, she's describing pyrotechnics here between her family and and her about this about uh, specifically about contacting us. Well, don't worry about us. You know, this the, the best thing you can do is come together. Uh, parents should not assume that their children don't know what's going on. And for heaven's sake, never think that your children are stupid because they're not. Uh, we always tell people to pay attention to reports of things that their children tell them, uh, particularly uh, invisible friends, things of this kind, very often mean something uh, that's very important. And, hey, um, and kids, don't assume the same things about your parents. Yeah, don't assume your parents are stupid either, although I very often find the kids are far more responsible than the parents often are today. Yeah. So anyways, we said on March 27th, the answers to these problems are best applied early before they begin. Uh, in families, the solution begins with one word, and that's something that comes even before love, respect, the R word. Build selflessness, respect, and predictability from day one in your family. Tell each other that you love each other. Don't wait until it's too late. This is all going to build a foundation for dealing with problems such as this in the future should they occur child and parent never give the other reason uh, uh, not to trust you trust is a long time earned but easily lost never lie to each other never make a promise unless you absolutely are certain that you can keep it and set boundaries and stick to them spend as much time as you can with each other you have nothing to do that's more important than that 
Never allow name-calling in the family. Never manipulate feelings to make another family member do something. And you'd be surprised how consistency in all this can, can breed respect. And without respect, there can be no love. And there is less defense against things that are negative going on here. Okay, so I want to ask Bill if he ever runs into what we sometimes do, like the paranormal crossovers, like aliens being, uh, alien beings thought of as ghosts or vice versa. So what's the real bottom line? How do we tell who's who? Well, the fact is that, and not the fact, but the speculation is, the assumptions are that um, you don't really need to worry about that. And, 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 and I'll explain why. If you're dealing with otherworldly beings, uh, beings not of our dimension, timeline, planet, whatever, there could be a whole bunch of reasons for their presence. I mean, one reason might be, uh, just like Skinwalker Ranch, that there are entities that can move in and out of all reality. And by reality, I mean either timeline or dimension or plane of the universe. They can move in and out. Sometimes it will. And so uh, uh, they may be called aliens. They may be called little greys. The fact is for, for most of us, we don't know what they are. All we know, elves, dwarfs, fairies, whatever, fairies, uh, the fact is we don't know. And there have been otherworldly creatures moving in and out of our reality and inhabiting our reality space ever since human beings first came to planet Earth, first appeared on planet Earth. That's part of our lore, our religion, our superstition, and now even our pseudoscience or quasi-science. So what I think is that there are more life forms inhabiting planet Earth than just in terms of sapient beings, than just human beings. Mm-hmm. Call them whatever you want to call them. Well, that sure matches up with what we find. Okay. Uh, does that your question, Ben? Or? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, okay. question. All right. Here, this is from uh, uh, Donna here, our, our show reporter in the, the Northeast, uh, specifically in Connecticut. And she reports a new sighting. And I'm going to include this in the show tonight because Donna's case is one of the most remarkable. Matter of fact, we've done preliminary filming for our TV show uh, at her site. And we believe there is a very interesting triangle, geographic triangle involved here uh, that involves uh, also, you, you name it, it, it's involved here. Ghosts, UFOs, all sorts of things. Uh, creatures who are benign who are helping us in this, which is a subject of another question we're going to get to. Uh, but anyway, this is a, a new sighting that Donna reports in her area. And since it's a family case, I figured it might be relevant. We'll see what happens. Okay, so... <clears throat> Yes, I can read. So, (laughs) a a Connecticut witness uh, reports a triangle-shaped object flying at or under uh, uh, 1,250 feet. Uh, Let me just add here, Ben, sorry to interrupt. Uh, This is on April 5th, this apparently occurred of this year. Good, okay. Okay, go ahead, Bill. I I wonder if you had known about this. Go ahead, Ben, sorry. Okay, Uh, so making no noise whatsoever, quote-unquote, at dusk on April 5th, 2011, according to testimony from the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON, Witness Reporting Database, the witness described the silent object. Um, anyway, it looked sort of, sort of triangular in shape with three lights on it. The witness started. Two were white and one was green. Hard to judge its size, but I would estimate it was about 600, 600, uh, 60 by 80 yards 
and I saw it fly behind two symmetrical buildings, so my view was obscured for a few seconds. Then it passed by the two buildings. I looked away for a few seconds, and then saw it fly by the two buildings in the same area in the direction I had seen it fly by not two seconds ago. No town name was mentioned in the public portion of the report. When checking through the internet, I have found many recent reports of very low-altitude sightings. Uh, nothing mentioned in our local paper, so it would most likely not have been in area or in our area. What say you, Bill? Well, it's interesting because that area of Connecticut, well, I don't know what area it is specifically, but let's just say that Connecticut is a very tiny state with a long border on Long Island Sound, the southern border. And uh, remember that that area in um, late 1980 was the home of the Hudson Valley, Hudson River Valley sightings over New York and Connecticut. So, um, and people have been photographing UFOs or strange lights in the sky from the Connecticut shore across Long Island Sound to Long Island uh, for years. So it could well be that if, in fact, this is a UFO and if, in fact, it's not one of our own craft, then um, it's just a continuation of a long, long, long line of sightings dating back 30 years. Interesting. Okay. Well, there we are. Uh, the Hudson Valley sightings are amazing. Uh, now, here we have one. This is from... Uh, well, actually, I mean, no, there's no name on this. Okay. Yeah, because they're, they're smart. <laughs> yeah, they know I'm going to blurt it all out. Anyway, uh, this uh, is a family-oriented um, UFO site. <laughs> okay, so we are a family of six and went on a road trip during the kids' winter vacation in February. We were on a rural stretch of road in California around sunset one day when a huge light appeared over the top of a hill when and moved towards us. Incredibly, I could see it and three of our kids could, but my husband and the oldest daughter couldn't see it. We argue about it to this day, but what's this all about? Yeah, you ever heard anything like that before? Yes. Uh, in uh, the Ozark Mountains, there are reports of um, lights, orbs, that two people standing side by side, maybe a couple of feet apart, one sees it, one doesn't. And people really get mystified at that. How can I see it and you don't see it? I don't know how to get it. Well, we run into that with ghosts. An answer might be, an answer might be that where these lights are coming in, and this goes back to what we just said earlier about portals and, you know, doorways between dimensions. What if the portals are portals that, A, only open and close instantaneously to let something through, or B, Unless you're standing directly in the same spot as the person witnessing it, you're not going to see the object because you're on the other side of the portal. It reminds me of the Elaine Aspect experiment in quantum physics, you know, with the beams of light, and the only way they can react the way they do is if they're passing through parallel worlds and portals, if you will. But that's a very good explanation. I'd never thought of that before. Yeah, I mean, that that's actually what... Um, uh, was an explanation that came out of these UFO phenomena, or these orb phenomena in the Ozarks. That's what uh, the researcher said. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. So are we 
Uh, we're coming up on a break, but uh, we haven't been informed of it, what? so let's keep going. <coughs> yeah. Right. Anyway. Um, All right. Good, Ben. Yeah. Well, no, I thought we were going to move on to more. Actually, of... let's uh, let's leave that. I want to get through one, uh, two more of these. Okay. Um, okay. This is from Ken in Spokane, Washington, and Ken writes. Okay. Uh, I believe I have been abducted, and I have reason to believe that my children have been also, but my wife refuses to even talk about it. I know you always talk about how important family is in things like this, so what should I do? Well, that reminds me of uh, that that movie with Christopher Walken in it. I can't remember what it was oh, called. Oh, Communion? Yeah, it's Communion, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good old Whitley Strieber. Yeah, you, you know him well, don't you? Yes, I do. Okay. So uh, what would you say? How would you advise uh, poor Ken here? To, you know, what should he do? Well, on the one hand, if Ken really believes he's he's been abducted, okay, I take a very... Um, I'm open-minded, but because I have a background, a heavy background in psychology, and I'm I'm a chairman of the board of a community mental health counseling center in Los Angeles, and I write a lot of books on, on, on deviant psychology and clinical psychology and things like that, criminal psychology. Um, so I would not tell him to go running to the first abduction therapist he could find. My negative part about um, alien abduction therapy is that there's a presupposition, even before the therapy begins, that you're dealing with somebody who's been abducted by aliens, right? So the presupposition is that A, there are aliens. B, the person is having no other issue but that those aliens are somehow choosing him for an abduction. And see the person's reacting to that abduction. What I would do is uh, I would advise him, look, um, first of all, why don't you go to um, a standard, licensed, qualified, PhD level or MD level psychotherapist and explain it to that person. And if you are still unsatisfied after exploring all the avenues, then at the very least you will have eliminated conventional possibilities. Okay, we have to I mean, we have to break for a break here, Bill. But we'll continue that thought after we sure. return. It's behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, with our guest and co-host Bill Burns. We'll be right back. Enlighten, empower, enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons, no boundaries. I know a girl, she puts the color inside of my world. Machines just like a maze, where all of the walls are. Continually change And I've done all I can To stand on the steps with my heart in my hand Now I'm starting to see Maybe it's got nothing to do with me Fathers be good to your daughter Daughters will love like you do Girls become lovers 
Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And we are back with our special co-host this evening, Dr. Bill Burns, and we're dealing with a an email received from Ken in Washington State who believes he's been abducted, abducted by aliens. His wife thinks he's bonkers, and uh, Bill was suggesting that he go to a PhD level or MD level uh, counselor of the normal type. Uh, go ahead, Bill. We'll continue with your thought. Well, I mean, yeah, I would ask the person. Let's say that I was counseling this person. I would say, look, tell me why you are presupposing that you've been abducted. I even deny the fact that he's abducted by aliens, but I would point out that in the entire history of psychotherapy um, and psychiatry, nowhere in any of the various um, physicians' desktop references dealing with psychological phenomena called the DSM is there any mention of otherworldly creatures interacting with human beings. That doesn't. That's not to say there isn't. It's to say that, um, tell me what you, and I would ask, I would start with, tell me what you actively remember, what's in your conscious memory, right? A. B. When do these incidents occur? C. What in your daily life leads up to these incidents? How long have they been going on? What is your first memory of these incidents? Because usually it's the first memories that are the most revealing. And just deal with it as psychological phenomena and deal with it honestly and try to figure out what might really be going on. I mean, I um, uh, 
Talk about his family. Talk about his parents, his grandparents, his uncles. Talk about various aspects. Talk about what effect his uh, belief in these abductions, whether it's true or not, he believes them to be true, whether his belief in these abductions affects his family life. How do they affect you and your wife? How do they affect, do you have children? How do they affect your job? Tell me what happens on the day after you believe you've been abducted. And just really go through, and those are the kinds of questions that I would ask Will or I, his therapist, and and come up with a, a model, a scenario of this person's life. So no, I would not jump into hypnotic regression. In fact, I would avoid that as much as possible. Hmm. Because the, uh, the presupposition is that, oh, I've been abducted by aliens. Well, let's do a hypnotic regression session to see if you were abducted by um, aliens. And in the hypnotic regression session, let's see what the aliens look like. So you've presupposed before even starting out with a subject already predisposed to think in a certain way, who then becomes very suggestible as a result of the regression session, anxious to to, to be hypnotized, that, uh, that you're dealing with something that may be a complete fiction coming out of his own psyche, but now becomes real because you have a therapist using hypnosis to deal with it. Okay. This is kind of going off topic a little bit, but you've done some, you've done quite a bit of research into the psychological field, so I I feel like I should ask you this. So how do you feel about, like, regression in general, not just about, like, um, well, hypnotic regression in general, not just with, like, alien abductions, but other things, too, like past lives, blah, 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 things like that? Well, I have two thoughts. One is that when you have... Um, a situation with um, an, unqual- an, an, an uncertified hypnotherapist, not certified in various psycholo- in, 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 in psychotherapy. Okay, mm-hmm. in other words, the person is not a healthcare specialist, a mental healthcare specialist. You really are playing with fire. Uh, the, uh, the person, I mean, if a person is there predetermined to find a past life. Let's leave aliens out of this for a second. I mean, I really don't think um, hypnotic regression for alien abduction is a valid pursuit. I'll be that absolute about it. But let's just say that um, you're dealing with past life regression. um, uh, Are we saying past lives don't exist? No. We're saying, how do you determine that there are actually past lives? I mean, You've got The Search for Bridie Murphy, probably the quintessential book on uh, the existence of past lives. You've got a whole bunch of stories on people claiming they've lived before. It's all a possibility. But is hypnotic regression the way to uncover that? Or are there other ways to deal with that? And my thought is that going to, in this case, a psychiatrist, a medical doctor, or you know, a, a DO or an MD, who is qualified and, and licensed by the state to use various um, hypnotic drugs like sodium pentothal, kind of the twilight sleep. I would trust more that, more in that, than I would the heightened suggestibility of um, a hypnotherapist or a hypnotist. I really would. Uh, I, I just find... I just find there was night and day. I've spoken to a lot of psychiatrists. I write books with psychiatrists. 
who deal with sodium amytal and sodium pentothal to um, recover traumatic events. And in those instances, they're far more skilled in dealing with very sensitive issues of the human mind than hypnotists, by and large, who are using hypnotism for behavior modification. All right, let me take my usual canted approach here a little bit. Now, obviously, you have far more experience with this than I do, but I'm looking back on, on uh, years of graduate work in the seminary, and as a student as a, of psychology, again, in the, on the grad level many years ago, I worked with a number of people, albeit from the viewpoint of uh, what used to be called the monopathic hysteria. I'm sure that's a antiquated term now. It is, yeah, it is. Yeah. But in uh, in Augsburg State Hospital and a number of places that are mercifully closed at this point, uh, and I must say that in my opinion, half the PhD you know guys I worked with, half the psychologists and psychiatrists were mad as much hairs themselves. I mean, how do you, in all fairness to the breed, I mean, how do you tell whether someone is going to interpret what you're doing correctly? I mean, the psychology is not an exact science, much to the annoyance of psychologists. But how, how do you how do you how do you well, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's it. Look, that's a true point. I mean, you have people entering psychology because they themselves are in so de- uh, such desperate need of therapy that the act of performing therapy on others is performing a self-therapy. I absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, we have no dispute. Uh, I have, um, in, in the world of true crime, I have seen, I mean, if I told you some of the stories of, um, Psychiatrists and psychologists who have used um, hypnosis, for example, in, uh, for sexual abuse. I mean, I couldn't even go into those stories on the radio. Okay? Mm-hmm. These are rife. Uh, um, in fact, there was a book called The Rapist, and it's spelled T-H-E-A-R-A-P-A-S-T, right? And it's therapist. So uh, put the words together. So, yeah, it is right. Yeah. That's why I would reside more trust, believe it or not, in MDs than I would in um, PhDs. I think there's certain kind of like psychotherapy light. You could deal with various counselors, various uh, occupational therapists and kind of family counselors and things like that. But uh, when it comes to dealing with heavyweight stuff, using drugs, doing regression, bringing out deep-seated memories, I, I absolutely would um, only go to an MD. Okay. All right, I hear you, Bill. I hear you. Uh, what, what bothers me is that very often people who write to us uh, have tried clergy, they've tried, they're, they're, they're desperate, and they, they feel they have no one to turn to. But I think that, mm-hmm. but you're right. I mean, in the end, you know. No, well, look at it this way. Look at it this way. Uh, this is kind of an existential argument. Um, Jean-Paul Sartre, the famous existential writer, um, said that if a person is wants to decide whether to become a priest or to become a soldier, Le Rouge et Le Noir, right, Stendhal's famous book, to become a priest or become a soldier, if you go to a priest, you know what you're going to hear. If you go to a soldier, you know what you're going to hear. In other words, there is a lot of predetermination in what choices you make to figure out a path. Whereas, and it's the same thing, if you go to a a therapist specializing in alien abduction therapy, you're not going to hear that you were never abducted by aliens. 
It's yeah, more go. likely you'll hear you've been abducted by aliens. There you go. We, we have to take another break, but we'll uh, get the point here, Bill. It's, it's, it's very important to remember. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be right back. Stay with us. CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Here we are again, Ben and me, and our good friend Bill Burns was co-hosting with us tonight. And we're dealing with some family-oriented, more or less, UFO issues as a continuation of our UFO, of our Paranormal and the Family series. Now here is, uh, We'll go to another email. Now is our time for probably one more. This is from Kira in Boston. Okay. <clears throat> so Kira writes to us. 
I'm really scared about this. I woke up twice last week, and there were there were bright lights outside and a deep humming sound that sounded like it was over my house. I ran to my mom's room, and she wasn't there. I was too scared to look around, so I went back to bed. When the humming and light went away, I went back to her room, and she was asleep in bed. I tried to talk to her about this, but she just laughed. What should I do? Yeah, any well, thoughts on um, that? Interesting. Where um, she's leaving a lot out. I mean, I would ask her: Did you look around the house for your mother? Was she downstairs? Was she in the kitchen? Was she in the bathroom? Was she? I mean, was she really not there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what you heard a humming sound? You saw lights. Um, did she, is is her, who else lives in the house? Does her father live there? Uh, those are some of the questions that I'd ask. Exactly. Um, you know, what was, she was not in her bed. What was in her bed? Were the windows open? Uh, was the door open? I mean, I would suggest to her that she should be an investigator. Uh, if it, let's just say for argument's sake, and, and, and while well, I don't think hypnotic regression is the answer, I'm not, I'm not denying the fact that there's such a thing as alien abduction. I think the Betty and Barney Hill case, even if it's the only case around, um, really sets the model for that. I would say to her, why don't you try to be your own investigator? A, if it happened once, it may happen again, okay? B, I would say, are you sure you weren't dreaming, okay? Uh-huh. If that happens again, what? come up with the technique that you would have to indicate to you that you're not dreaming. Here's one technique, Okay. Start sleeping with a rubber band around your wrist. Okay? If your mother asks you, say, ah, oh, I want to remember stuff when I wake up. Come any excuse, right? But start sleeping with the rubber band around your wrist. When you see, hear the light, when you hear the sound, see the lights, believe this is a, a, a replay of what you've seen before, start snapping the rubber band to make sure you're not asleep. If you're asleep, you wake up. Hmm. If you're okay. not asleep, and you are up, then go to your mother's room. If you can't find her in bed, pull the covers back off the bed. See what's there. Check the windows. Are they open? Are they closed? Check the bathroom. Check downstairs. Check every single room. Check to see who else is in the house. Make sure the doors are locked. In other words, perform your own investigation. Okay? Mm -hmm. Satisfy yourself that she's not there. Uh, you may even want to take your cell phone with a camera in it, leave it beside your bed, snap the rubber band. If you are awake, take the cell phone, take a picture of your mother's bed if she's not there. The Very picture good. has a timestamp on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are the things that I would do to start investigating this. I think that's extremely good advice. Just so everybody will know, we don't just leave these things hanging. When we get emails like this, we do try to follow up on as many as possible. We've got hundreds. Just impossible to deal with all. But uh, Bill's advice is extremely well taken. We would give uh, this advice certainly to Kara to, to sort of do this. And a lot of people, as you know, Bill, uh, in UFO investigation, it's the same thing in any paranormal investigation. People never tell you everything, you know. And you really need to know as much information as possible in order to make some sort of judgment. Exactly. There are assumptions here that there's only the mother and the daughter in the house. I'd like to know who else is in the house. Exactly. What did she do when she saw the mother wasn't in the bed? Sure. I mean, how, old is Kira? how old is Kira? Yeah, she didn't say. Was there a truck outside that made the humming sound? You know, this sort of thing. Right. So uh, all very well taken, uh, this advice. Uh, there's, sometimes we get emails, and you can just tell 
the people are making stuff up. You know, they're just trying to pull your chain. But others, they have a certain air of sincerity. I don't know if you find the same thing in your communications, Bill, but people have a certain air of sincerity uh, with this that, that, uh, that does make you believe that they feel that uh, something has occurred. Uh, Bill, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, how do you approach cases where there is a single witness as opposed to a case where there are multiple witnesses, as far as credibility is concerned? I tend to put them in a gray basket. I say to myself, you know what, there's absolutely no verification for this. Uh-huh. I can't I can't prove it. I can't disprove it. I'm not going to say to the person, you're a liar. But on the other hand, I'm going to say, look, I mean, you know, if you could find some corroboration for this, great. If not, it's an interesting story. I don't disbelieve you. But on the other hand, I have no reason to, I have no evidence to corroborate what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little less skeptical than that. I will generally look into it, and there are certain traits that that, that come out. At least I don't know. In all you, you and I are roughly the same vintage. I mean, we've been doing this for a lot of years, and there are certain characteristics that I look for. But of course, I don't investigate UFO things uh, very often. Now Ben and I are starting that, but it's generally uh, ghost uh, events, which tend to be very subjective anyway, and maybe you require a, a little bit different approach, but uh, I suppose it does depend on the situation, certainly. But I, I don't necessarily write off uh, single witness events, mainly because I've had them myself. You know. and, right. Uh, so for whatever that's worth. Well, but okay. you've got to say they're single witness events. I mean, that's the category. Oh, exactly. Exactly. That's right. So, Bill, uh, give us a ch- I'll give you a chance here. Tell us about what you're working on, your books. Uh, you're a renaissance man. What's going on? Well, um, I, I published a book last year called The Aliens in America, which is still available. It is a travel guide to UFO hotspots around the United States. And again, it's a travel guide, very inexpensive book, you know, under 15 bucks. Uh, and it has like the 20 best cases or, or 20 cases in areas where folks still commemorate, celebrate, memorialize those cases. And that's from Adams Publishing. Uh, my most recent book came out uh, just last month in March. It's not a UFO book. It's about, uh, it's called Suicidal Mass Murderers. And it's about the deaths. It's about the homicides and suicide at the Virginia Tech University in Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, back in 2007, perpetrated by Cho Sung Hui. And, um, what went wrong? How wow. did, how did this individual fly under the radar for so long until he surfaced and killed 33 people. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, this fall, um, coming out this fall, is uh, The Haunting of 20th Century America, Volume 2 in our Paranormal of, uh, paranormal History of America series. Very good. Hmm. And Ro, how's everything going with the Future Theater? Future Theater future Theater's great. Uh, our, our, our guest last night was Scotty Roberts, who was, who was the editor-in-chief of Intrepid Magazine. And um, Scotty and I just basically had a long, long discussion on uh, UFOs in the Bible, um, otherworldly creatures in the Bible, the Nephilim, um, why, why there are so many apparent discrepancies in the Old and New Testament, uh, in the Old and New Testaments, about otherworldly creatures. Um, i, I got to stop you. We're out of time, Bill, but uh, what we're going to do is show on that. And thanks again. It's always a great pleasure to have you. We always have a lot yes. of fun. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having thanks. me. Pleasure to be there.
Okay, thanks. Uh, many thanks again to our producer, Will Kosnick. We'll see you right here next Sunday, April 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. And Ben and I will welcome back New York Times bestselling author Steve Alton for a discussion of 2012, The End of Days. So check out our New England Drive Time show on Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific on WON, 1240 a.m. in southeastern New England and on onworldwide.com. And we leave you with a thought-provoking quote attributed to astronaut James McDivitt commenting on an encounter he and Ed White had during their Gemini 4 flight in 1965 when a weird object with arm-like extensions approached their their spacecraft. Quote, we even thought it might be necessary to take evasive action to avoid a collision, unquote. Later in the flight, they reported to seeing two similar objects over the Caribbean. Okay, thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.